Are you ready to listen to some footy chat? Because we are primed and ready to go. Talking about everything that happened over the weekend in week two. The semi-finals, what games they were, surprising results for different reasons. But just a reminder before that, that right throughout the NRL finals, this podcast is brought to you by the Monopoly game at Maccas. You can peel your way to over 69 million prizes. Yes, 69 million prizes. Now... On with the show. Before we get going today, I just want to make sure that everybody knows the score. <laughs> uh, it's half time, here we are. Do you know the score, Lara? Do you know the score, Maddie? Are you aware of the score? Before we give a big speech to rev up the troops, are you comfortable that you're happy that you know we're either in front? Or we're in behind right here on Take Me Now. I have seen it all. Hi, everybody. Warren Smith, Lara Pitt, Maddie Russell. That was an amazing revelation off the back of the South Sydney win over the Sea Eagles on Friday night at ANZ Stadium. They advance to take on the Raiders. And then Wayne Bennett goes to the press conference and puts his hand up and says, look, I've got to tell you because it's going to get out anyway, whether I tell you here or not. But I gave them the big we're behind losing speech at halftime, we were in front. That was one of the more remarkable revelations from a coach in recent times. I found it so amusing at dinner time last night. I told my family that story, and even they found themselves laughing at Wayne's senior moment. I must admit, the cynic in me thought that Wayne is never overly forthcoming at media conferences. As he's telling this story, what's he trying to smother? What's happening on the other side of the room that he doesn't want us to notice? But maybe I'm just too cynical. Maybe he was just giving us an insight into... A wonderful, wonderful story. He left his seat too early, missed the go-ahead try, and it took Sammy to say, hey, coach, you know we're in front. Do you believe it, Lara? I'm a bit like you. I was a bit cynical, but then when you read the comments from the players, they gave him up anyway. So they were they were all going to tell the story, their version of the story <laughs> behind his back, and then he knows everyone's going to think he's lost it and that he's, you know, it's time to hang up the boots, Wayne. You're, you're losing your marbles a little bit. And I, I think Cody Walker was quoted as saying that he was just sitting there like, oh, dear, what's going on here? What's, what's, what's Wayne on here? Because uh, he doesn't know what's going on. I feel like we've had this story before. Doesn't Fletch tell a really good story about a game? It was against Gordy or well, there was a game when they played and one of the coaches. At the Sydney Football Stadium. Yeah. The long trip down, missed the go-ahead try. And that was Wayne it, as coach at the it time. It might have been not half-time, the yeah. final result. Yeah, it was the, the final result. The coach walked in yeah. thinking they'd got beaten and they'd won. That was Gordy stealing the ball and scoring the try on the bell to beat the Bunnies when Fletch was playing for South. Yes, and they yeah. got downstairs and... Who was the coach of the Bunnies at the time? The Bulldog great... Um, Paul Langmack. Yes, and in his short um, stint, we had him on League Life and I remember him like, he got down there with the champagne <laughs> thinking they'd won. That's right. <laughs> and then at the end, obviously, his players had to go, what are you doing, mate? Like, we did you not see what happened right at the end? So it's happened to Wayne before, but right at the death of a game and they've won. So, yeah, it's funny though because you talk to some of the players and they're like, maybe he is really losing it. <laughs> So that's the first part of the story. Second part of the story is he has actually, like, he has a losing speech and then an, when we're in front speech at halftime. Well, see, and that sort of goes against everything that the sports psychologists would say. And funnily enough, Phil Jauncey, a renowned and highly regarded sports psychologist, 
works with the Rabbitohs, was at their training, their captain's run on Thursday morning, which I went down and had a look at, and Wayne was in a very, very chatty mood, maybe because Phil was there afterwards and myself and Brent Reid standing around having a chat with both of them after training. And, uh, and it was like, it sort of like goes against everything. Like, don't worry about the score, just do what we are supposed to do and the scoreboard will look after itself. But Wayne had the we're behind speech, this is what we've got to do, or, and then he had to, he said, he changed it up. Oh, I'll give them the we're in front speech. Whereas that would be the last, I, w- I was surprised by that revelation, especially so. Seems, seems strange that you would have, you know, two different modes at half time because to my way of thinking, you would be down there and just talking about X's and O's and, you know, a little bit of motivational stuff as well, quite obviously. But, you know, my mood wouldn't be dependent on, especially in a, in a tight... If you're down by 20, then I guess your speech changes. But if, if you're down by two or four or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then it's, it, it's the same as being, in, to my way of thinking, being in front by two or four. And it's very much about what we need to do to eventually have more points on the board than the other mob. Or was it maybe about the nature of that game? Because some of the tries they were conceding would make you feel like you were behind at half-time a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. So maybe they did, knowing that pretty much there was only 40 minutes left of the season if they didn't turn it around. This could have been his last speech of the year and he had to get it right. Well, part three of the story <laughs> is because having made that revelation, he said... 20 minutes to go, I'm sitting there watching the game, thinking about what we need to do in the pre-season and what we, you know, what we need to change in regards to what we did last pre-season and how we need to tweak things up to be in a better place going into 2020. Is that, is that raw, honest Wayne, or is Wayne already looking to Canberra, already looking to manufacture the, the thought that South Sydney, yes, they've won the game, but they're gone, they're not going to beat the Raiders in the capital. Is that Wayne actually trying to already create that sort of atmosphere regarding South's trip to Canberra this week. No, I think sometimes we we read too much into Maybe. mind Maybe. games and that sort of thing. And I, and I think he was just being brutally honest. He he thought they were battling at you know that middle part of the the second half, despite having already had played against twelve men when Brad Parker was in the sin bin, and then obviously Jake Travoyevich goes to the sin bin. So that probably changed his mood and his mindset right then and there. But there was that period where Manly were doing it nicely and looked like they might well go on and do the job and, and they'd be going down the highway to Canberra. Uh, and yeah, he, his mind, I'm pretty sure, had slipped to, OK, well, maybe this is, isn't our night and what do we need to do when we come back from a break? What has happened to Wayne Bennett? His media conferences were the yep, nut, maybe media conference year after year. Now it's story time with Wayne post games. I'll let you inside this story. I'll tell you about this story. This is how I was thinking at this minute. What's happened? Where's it come from? Uh, maybe a softening. We've seen maybe a little bit more of that from Des Hasler uh, this year as well, up until... Where we're done it. Where is Graham Annesley? Where is Graham Annesley? Funny story. Funny story. And, and Gaz won't mind me yes. telling this. He was sitting beside <laughs> Graham Annesley on the flight to Melbourne as we went to do the Storm Eels game. As soon as wheels touched down in Melbourne, Graham, Felix, gets his phone out. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> And all the missed calls or messages, D. Hasler. That was the day after, the night before. You're so, joking. So Des was still on the rampage. Des was hours still later. on the rampage. That was mid-afternoon Saturday. <laughs> yes. He was in the air, and the phone. You know what Des is like. He's not going to give up. He wants to hear what he wants to hear, and until he gets that from someone, he'll keep calling. And do you know what? 
That's exactly right <laughs> because I know for a fact, um, and it wasn't me but uh, a Fox Sports colleague in commentary yes. had something to say a, a bunch of years ago about the Bulldogs when they weren't playing to, you know, all that well at different stages under Des's coaching and Des rang this particular colleague and had a conversation, wasn't happy quite obviously with the way that conversation ended, rang back 10 minutes later rang back 30 minutes later. Uh, uh, this went on like five or six various phone calls over the course of two or three hours because Des didn't feel like he'd got the point across enough that he wanted to make. So it is true to form for Des. Mm, I have to say I've had that experience too. Well, there you go. <laughs> In a media conference. Off, off the back it? of a media conference. Yeah, just if if he, if he wanted to explain his reaction and because I was not accepting of it, it just kept coming, though. This, you have to understand from my point of view. I said, that's fine, but this is my point of view and I'm not going to agree with you. And I'm sure Graham Annesley feels the same way, that the rule book is the rule book. What did you guys think of the Jake Chaboyevich sin bin? Obviously, it was a crucial element. That is, you know, you can't debate that. I looked at it on replay and I thought it's a soft sin binning, but... I can understand why he was sin And I know that's unpopular. I know we wanted to see Manly's 13 compete with South Sydney's 13. But when you can see Jake grab the jumper, um, you know, if he'd put his arms out and tried to navigate a way through, then I'd have an argument with it. He grabbed the jumper in a try-scoring situation. And if we're to follow the rules that we are being told are now in place, then, yes, it is a sin I've watched it back a bunch of times, uh, having called the game, and on Saturday I sat down and watched a few different angles of it and there was a great angle from head on where Dane Gagai, he actually moves in his path. and I, I, Into Jake's path? Yeah, into Jake Trevojevic's path. Even I though he's in front of him? Yeah, I guarantee you it was purely instinctive with Gagai just moving slightly to his right. It was almost like a situation where you're watching, you know, an, uh, an appeal at the stewards from a jockey mm. or an inquiry as to a horse moving out and taking somebody else's ground and Dane Gagai for want of a you know better term, in a racing situation, took away the ground from Jake Travoyevich. And he instinctively, I'm pretty sure, he could never be completely 100% sure, but I, I think, you know, if you asked him, he said, I just probably reacted and, and just grabbed him to sort of to move past him. But unfortunately, you know, the referees, the officials, the touch judges and the two referees, they see him grab a jumper and pull him down and pull him out of the way and given that, obviously, two referees got the sack the week before for an almost identical situation, well, it was always in there in the referee's mind going to be a sin bin. I felt sorry for Jake having watched it, you know, the next day, but I completely understand why the referees did what they did. And having made the decision that it was going to be a penalty, well, then it had to be a professional foul because it was, yes, a try-scoring situation. And they had that that rev up from Graham Annesley, who was brought in, who was going to fix all these situations. And it's unfixable because it, you're always going to have, you know, humans making human judgments and human errors. And I'm, I'm not saying this was an error in this situation. I completely understand why he was why he was sin bin in that situation. You can completely also understand the frustration because I'm watching it as a neutral and that's what I see, the rules, and, and I say, okay, fine, we all love Jake. He's the best bloke in the game and we don't like to see him taken out of a huge, huge moment because as soon as that happened, I knew that Manly were going to lose because it was right at the towards the end of the game. Um, it felt like they needed all hands on deck to, to get home and each side was scoring tries at will. Uh, but as a neutral, I know that, that, that you take the emotion out of the game, which is terribly hard for a Manly fan because that's it, season over. But what I wanted everyone to be talking about the next day was 
Moses Suli and those incredible performances that we saw. Yes, it all kind of goes, it's it's all rubbish and newspaper lining and, and all that sort of stuff after they lose the game, but they can be so proud of, of what they've done this year. Um, and I'm sure that they won't feel that for some time because they will be watching the Rabbitohs play against the Raiders this weekend and feel like they could have been there. I thought they were cannon fodder come the finals, given their injuries. They beat Cronulla. They nearly beat South Sydney. It was a fantastic season for Manly, an absolutely wonderful season that ends in frustration. If Brad Parker had found the in goal, I thought he was entitled to score that try. Having watched it back again, I thought, how did Brad not score there? And maybe that changes it. But it was Sam Burgess, if I'm not mistaken, holding him up. And there's just another big play from Sam. He's delivered so often this season big plays that turn games. And he's done it again. Mm. And he holds the key headed towards Canberra. It was a big prize to take for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And just a reminder that right throughout the NRL finals, the podcast is brought to you by the Monopoly game at Maccas. You can peel your way to over 69 million prizes. There might, be, there might be 69 million prizes for the bunny should they beat the Raiders, but boy, it'll feel like a couple of million. How many junior burgers could, <laughs> could Sam get through in one sitting? How lot? many could is Sully had between oh. Friday and now? Oh, oh. <laughs> That's more the point. Do you reckon it? the food box delivery from Dez has stopped as soon I think as the so. season's over? I was actually thinking about it when I was watching him carve up on that right, right edge. I was thinking, God, he must just be waiting for the off-season just to have, you know, because they work so hard all year, to have a bit of downtime. But then you can't go too crazy because you know Dez is going to kill you if you've put on too much weight. Mm. So Moses doesn't have Mad Monday, he has Mad Maccas. Mad Maccas. <laughs> Mad Maccas. Yeah, I feel Mad like Maccas it's... Monday. Was it KFC that he was saying he ate a lot of? Anyway, I'm sure it's Maccas as well. Whatever whatever no tickles doubt. your fancy. I have got no doubt. And that's the thing, you can send them all the boxes of food you like and instructions how to cook it and whatever else, but there's nothing stopping him jumping in the car and driving down to the local Maccas to... To you know, pick up a couple of bags full of everything. So I've got images of Joey on the skateboard after winning the grand final. Dylan Napa in his uh, playing kit, walking down the streets of the eastern suburbs after That's he right. won the grand. I want Moses Suli walking through the McDonald's drive-through with one of those big brown carry bags. Walking through, yeah, walking through for effect. <laughs> Just picking up his delivery at the window. Uh, so you know, it's a shame that it ended with Dez's you know, season, which I thought was fantastic given what he's done with the team and the team, you know, uh, you know performed above and beyond what we thought, as you said, without Tom Travojevic, Curtis Siren and Joel Thompson. It's a shame it finished with, you know, the memory of 2019 as far as the coach is concerned will be, you know, where is Graham Annesley? That was a that was a great shame because it took away, um, you know, a part of the story which they were contributed to uh, so much in, in the last month or more. They just kept on finding a way to get the job done and gave themselves a chance to pull off a remark, almost a, a North Queensland Cowboys type story when they made the grand final two years ago. Let's jump over to South Sydney. Uh, out of that game, what issues do they have going to Canberra? What hope do they have going up against Ricky's Raiders? Because through my eyes, they're a long way short from being able to challenge the green machine in front of a near sold out. Probably, well, it will be a sold out GIO stadium. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, defensively, they were all at sea, South Sydney, weren't they, in that first half? I mean, Manly through the middle of the field as well. And that, you know, that was the great strength of the. Bunnies for their premiership season under Michael Maguire and then off the back of that as well. Uh, all the Burgess brothers uh, back on deck, you'd have thought that would be a strength of theirs, but they were exposed badly and really um, to, yeah, to go in at half-time actually leading the game was uh, pretty incredible because they had no right really in my mind to be leading 
at the break. On form, they can't beat Canberra. We know they have the ingredients to beat Canberra if Cook plays his best, if Gagai bounces back, if the Burgess brothers are error-free and are at their demonstrative, damaging best, then South Sydney can beat Canberra quite clearly, but, but not on current form. No, no, but, we, you know, they play on grass, as they say in the classics, not on, not on paper, so we'll wait and see how it turns out. But, yeah. I, I, you know, right now... I really like the Raiders to advance to the grand final. The Rabbitohs have conceded 56 points in their last two games. Yep. You can't do that in finals. And Canberra's defence has been a real key for them, quite obviously, throughout this season as well. It'll be, mm. It won't be as easy to score tries against them down there with a raucous 30,000 fans screaming for them. Um, yeah, everything points to the Raiders advancing. But, you know, the Rabbitohs, if it all happens, have got... Plenty of strike. They can score some points themselves. And, you know, Sinbin's played a part in that game. And given that both teams, especially the Canberra Raiders, will try and, I guess, um, test the referees out and they'll hold down in in tackles and they'll put a hand in the play of the ball and they'll just sort of see how far they can push things in regards to try and make it again. A bit of a stop-start game, slow the play of the ball down, control things the way we want to control things. And at some point it would be, oh, I guess it would right now, if you said to me, will there be a sin bin in that game? I'd say, yeah, the way things are going, given the clamp down on various areas of play, there'll be a sin bin and that may well be pivotal in deciding the outcome once again. There'll be so much uh, pressure on the Raiders to win this game. They've had the week off. They're ha- playing in front of their home crowd. I just The only thing they'll need to get right is not let the occasion get to them, and that will come down to the way they start the game. I'm sure Wayne will tell his players, just ruffle them, make them feel uncomfortable. It's, all, it's, not, it's not on us to win this. It's their prelim. It's their home game. Uh, let's try and get under their skin a little bit. So I, I, I think it'll be a fiery game, but the Raiders just need to get out there and you know get the sort of blow the cobwebs out a bit because you, you, it's important to have the week off. But, you, you know, there's so much pressure leading into this game. They've had that time to freshen up. They had their awards night, the Mal Meninga medal last week, and I'm told that, you know, it's all game face. The players very focused. We all thought they might let their hair down a little bit and enjoy the, the occasion. Um, they did have a wonderful night for sure, but um, it was very much not. We've got, we've got a massive job to do. So um, you want to be serious and you want to come in with that right attitude, but... Uh, yeah, it's such a massive... They haven't had this occasion for so long down in Canberra. Mm, that's and right. Well, first time they've ever had a prelim final yeah. at home. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as big a game as they've had in the nation's capital in reality because in the past, you know, going back, uh, all the finals were played up here in Sydney. So I was speaking to a friend who uh, controls some of the... Uh sporting precincts down there. They can't have a GIO stadium record, sadly, because the configuration is now different for when the Brumbies played the Canterbury Crusaders in a Super Rugby final. We won't be able to challenge that number, but it will be sold out. And everywhere they can have seating, they will have seating. Dean Lance is going to lead the Viking Claps, so a headgear-wearing Canberra captain from um, generations and premierships past will lead the Viking Clap. And to be honest... That's one of the elements I'm looking forward to. Yes, I'm looking forward to the Meninga medalist in Papali banging bodies with the Burgess brothers, but I'm looking forward to that atmosphere pre-game, first prelim final. Dean Lance and, and everything he's done for the Raiders leading this clap. It will be awesome, Was It will be fantastic. It will be an atmosphere like you've rarely seen uh, down there. That's, it, it's, it is going back to, you know, back to the, the early 90s, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s. But those battles between that stick in my mind when you think about Canberra and big games in the nation's capital when they used to play the Broncos and they were the two 
preeminent teams of the time. Uh, the Raiders won their premierships. The Broncos came in. They won back-to-back in 92, 93. And they had so many big games. And they never met in the grand final, which is the great shame of that era, that they never actually played the final game of the season head-to-head with Langer and Walters and the star-studded Brisbane Broncos team again against the Raiders team, which had Ricky and Laurie and, you know, all the stars, Brad Clyde and others uh, down there as well. It's uh, it, it, it harks back to that era for mine and there'll be plenty of Woodges lime green jerseys in the crowd, I've got no doubt, this weekend. So much success between 87 and 94, but since that premiership year 94, the Raiders never to a grand final. Well, here's their chance, 80 minutes away from their first grand final since 1994. 25 years. It's a milestone year. It's something, you know, if you like Mm. numbers. 30 years. 30 years since that. 89 and and then 25. If you're listening to this this week, it's Tuesday of this week that is the day that is 30 years since their famous 89 grand final. So there's something happening. There's something blowing in that win. (laughs) The numbers, everything, the stars are in alignment potentially for a Raiders win to advance to the grand final. Where are you on slapping and players being sin bin for slapping? I've got to admit, I was shocked at the furor (laughs) over the weekend because we went through this and it's, you know, the rugby league sometimes community... Uh, it's a bit like a goldfish. We forget so quickly. But that was something... When players got sin bin, when Cody Walker got sin bin for slapping that open hand whack to the side of the head on Jack Koshevsky, well, he had to be sin bin because we went through this two and a half years ago when off the back of punching being banned, as I said in a tweet over the weekend, the game was turning into a German beer festival <laughs> because it was whack, 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 uh, every game. That's my German. It is October. Isn't it? Wow, that was a good dance. You should have seen it in here. <laughs> you know, the leader hosing on, a bit of thigh slapping, then, you know, across the face. We need a few, uh, what do they call those? Jugs Pints? Bit? Pints. Steins. Steins okay. in here. Get the Stein in for that. Um, but, you know, was that so, it wasn't so long ago that people should have completely forgotten the fact that you, if you whack someone in the head with an open hand, you're going to get sin bin. Do you think that uh, Cam got it wrong in that he didn't mean to make contact? The slap to the head was actually accidentally. He was trying to slap uh, the arm or chest of, of Reed Marnie, who had hold of the jumper illegally. Like, he, he's not an innocent victim here. Uh, do you think that Cam just got it wrong, that he didn't actually mean to slap him in the head but no, that's where I, they made contact? No, I think the second one, he meant to get him in the you head. He meant to get him in the head? Yeah, just, well, he, I think, he, you know, he brushed his top of his brushed forehead, his, his hair, gave him a little, you know, coif. He said himself coif. that... He he's, he was fine with it because it was consistent on what they did on Friday night. Cody Walker slapped, uh, was it Kajewski? So he got sin binned and he said that, you know, he that Reed wouldn't let him go and that he, he missed the mark and clipped him high. That's what Smith said. So... Mm. It wasn't intentional, he said, but no, it, but they did it like that. they did it Friday. So you know, I, I don't know what was Bellamy okay with it after the game. I didn't hear. I him presume so. Get cranky um, about but, it. but you know, the reaction off the back of you know that one, and it wasn't, I guess, as egregious as Cody Walker's one, where it was a, more of a you know like an open-handed punch or whatever else to Jack Koshevsky. This one was a glancing blow, but. If we, and people scream about consistency. There's no consistency. We want consistency. Well, you got consistency and people are still screaming about mm. it. And part of it, you know, people are like, everyone, oh, how can you get sin Everyone compares that? it to it's the Sevo like, shoulder charge. Everyone gets upset and goes, well, hang on, Sevo almost took the head off Ryan Pappenhausen and he just 
got a penalty and stayed on the field. So, you know, you're not comparing apples with apples there, but they, no, no. people see that as, well, you know, you're taking someone out and potentially hurting them very badly, which, you know, luckily he didn't, and you get to stay on the field and you he, he get, cops a one-game suspension for a game next year. Right. Oh, but, and that's, yeah, he should have been sin bin, there's no doubt. I was surprised that he wasn't mm. sin bin. Simple as that, because he shoulder charged and should have been 10 in the bin. So, yeah, they, they made a blue with that one, but they didn't make a blue as far as the consistency of the slapping. And people are saying, you know, the game's gone soft and, you know, what, what do we want the game to look like? Well, you know, games, games change. All games, all sports at the moment, and we've said this in the past, they're changing. You know, Rugby our, League our lives has to have change. changed. You used I, to be I, able to, you know, go to the pub and get a skin full into you and then drive home. Well, that yeah. was that was quite obviously ridiculous. So they changed those rules. And all these rules, you know, in life are made. We can only drive at a certain speed. We can only do... You used to be able to smoke know, in the office. You can't do that, that anymore. Exactly. All these different things. But there was never an HR department, you know. And no, occupational health and safety. You'd never heard of it when I started working. When I try and put my outraged hat on and go, it is a bit ridiculous that for a slap in the face you get a sin bin. I do think it's ridiculous. But I think if you don't do it, then everyone... Well, it it's turns free back for in, all. It's the you know German what I mean? beer so festival again. I understand why they have to do it. I don't... Like, I go, oh, really? Like, Reid Marnie's fine. That was just a bit of push and shove over, you know, some jersey pulling. It doesn't really bother me that they got into that scuffle and I don't think it's a bad... Like, everyone says it's a bad look. Like, please, whatever. What sport are you watching? It's not... If you, but if you let it go... I know. Then it, everyone it thinks they be, can scuffle and, and it's third man in slap across the face It stuff. would be. Yeah. And that's why we banned so it. So that's the only reason why Cam got invented. Yes, for the, really. for the for the 10-year vision for the game because we yeah. can't have punching anymore because we know that if there's punching, then there's not going to be kids playing rugby league and in 10 years the game will be struggling. So if we ban punching, then we get slapping. Unless we ban slapping, then it becomes your German beer hall. So... So it is a big picture approach yeah. to future-proof the game. Yeah. And you can't and then, just go, oh, it's Cam, oh, it's a final, it's not a big it, deal. A, you can't, like, I get it. <coughs> I get that's why Gus Gould's outraged at full-time saying the game's, you know, a, a mess. I get it, but I, I do, it's not about that incident, it's about the bigger picture. Mm. Well, yeah, it, life has changed, not just sport. In all manner of ways, and sport is just a microcosm of, of our lives and there are any number of things we can't now do that we were able to do five years ago or 20 years ago, God forbid going back, you know, into the 80s, early 80s, whatever else, or late 80s or 30-plus years ago. I mean, the world has changed dramatically from those days. You used to be able to turn up to the airport and just walk on through, you know, show your ticket, there you go, and onto the plane. Well, you know, these days you can take your shoes off, your belt off, everything else. The, the, the world has changed and sport has changed and everybody is trying to make their lives safer and sport just reflects what is happening in our larger lives. What hasn't changed is that the Storm are through to another preliminary final and we all thought, we were asking last week whether Parramatta... Is this it? Is this the beginning of, you know, great things? I don't know that... Did anyone think here that they were going to go down there and, and cause a ball over? I just felt like that no. was just such a big step for them. Yes, thought, they did a great they job at home. two early tries, they were a chance. Mm. But they didn't score a point for the 80 minutes. A 90-point turnover. 58-0 winners, 32-0 uh, losers, yeah. for want of a better word. I don't like to call them losers because they were beaten, but uh, it was still, like Manly, a really strong season. Uh, and you know what? I reckon you could see that in Parramatta after they were beaten. There wasn't the absolute forlorn. We've let we've let the golden opportunity slip. What what you know? What a way. I think that, they realised mm. that they have come a long way this season from a wooden spoon. 
Yes. And, and while they're disappointed, I just don't, didn't see the absolute, you know, destitute sadness that you'd see maybe in, in some other clubs. I just thought there was a, you know, Manly had a bit of starch and a bit of resolve about their work and the way they went about their football and they were, you know, a far better team on the road than the Parramatta Eels were. The, the whole Bank West thing was a major concern for mine because they were champions of Bank West and they were hopeless away from Bank West. And that was, you know, magnified again in the in the loss against the the storm on Saturday night. I mean, that that, that summed up Parramatta's season. Those that that win against the Broncos and then the loss, the magnitude of it against the Storm, that was Parramatta's season there in seven days or six days in a nutshell. Was you, you said it perfectly because earlier on this year we said Parramatta is rugby league's yo-yo, and and you look back to round six and seven where they won fifty-one-six, come out the next week and getting beaten twenty-eight fourteen by Newcastle. Following week, thirty-two eighteen winners. Following week, sixty-four ten losers. So that was round six through nine, you know, up and down. And yep. here we are, well into September, big winners, big losers. Yep, uh, and you know. Wooden Spooners last year, so let's not downplay how far they have come and what what a great job Brad Arthur and the crew did this year off the back of Mitchell Moses, you know, I guess reinventing himself and becoming the Mitchell Moses that the Tigers certainly thought he would be when he burst onto the scene with them and he got lost there in the wilderness for a couple of years with his focus on the game, whatever else. He's spoken about that and he will hopefully, if he bats on again and can lead them um, as he did with his ball playing, I think Dylan Brown is a real... Real star of the future. I really like the way he plays football. But um, I think they just, there are a few forward shorts still for mine. What about uh, his tackle on Justin Olam, Dylan Brown? Game gone, runs down Justin Olam, classic rugby league tackle. That was a big play. Yeah, I feel, I feel like there is, it still shows there's a massive difference. We already talked about from the seventh and eighth, but I think again, sixth to third. So the top three are just, and the Rabbitohs, I, I know they're there, but I still think the top three this competition have been by far and away the best. And then the Eels finish sixth or fifth? Did they finish fifth in the end? Yes. And so from fifth to third, that's a really big jump, really, in, in class and in where they really need to be if they want to be in the top four next year and push for the title. So week one, we had teams seven and eight disappear. Yeah. Week two, we've had teams five and six disappear. But we could have almost had just team... We could have had team four and five almost manly, you know, weren't yeah. as far off as what para are, yeah. really. The numerical sequence will change this That's week. That's right, because boys. one get plays that. two. We can't have three, three four plays four. And in the last 20 years, um, this, this guaranteed win by either the Roosters or the Storm will mean that in the last 20 years, either Melbourne or the Sydney Roosters have made the grand final 15 times. Not combined. Mm. There's only been five seasons in the last 20 years where there's been a grand final played that didn't feature either the Storm or the Roosters. Tells you a lot about those two clubs over the past couple of decades, doesn't it? And, and let's talk about those two teams meeting this weekend and, and using what happened last weekend as a, a, a starting point. Uh, I love seeing Josh Adokar, who came up with a drop ball to gift John Bateman the try the previous week. His first involvement or virtually first yes. involvement was, was magical. I was sitting sideline. I thought he was going to be tackled three times. And each time I thought they've got him now, he, he just took off. He just shot away from whoever was in, within arm's reach of him. And that try was magnificent. He, he started 
blindingly. He almost finished blindingly. They, they worked out a way to stop him late. But Josh Adokar, what a bounce back in the space of a week from villain against the Raiders to hero against Parramatta like that. Oh, it was, I mean, I wasn't cheering for any, either team, but you were cheering for Josh because he would have been... He would have worn that loss against the Raiders entirely on his shoulders. And I think he said after the game, as soon as he scored that try, and you could see in his celebration what it meant to him mm. to, he said, a great weight had been lifted off my shoulders. It was a tough pill to swallow last week. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it does come down to sometimes an individual making an error and then they have to wear that. I mean, lucky for Melbourne, they had another week, but someone like Jake Trebojevic, who... It's not all his fault, that loss, but he'll feel this whole off-season that if he hadn't been sin-binned, yeah. you know what I mean? So for Josh, he gets another shot at it and he comes out and, and only the best can respond in that way. So the Roosters and the Storm looking ahead to that matchup. I mean, Melbourne, pretty much everybody's available to the point that Will Chambers now is playing off the bench and I presume that will be the case again against the Roosters. Um, but the Roosters are without Jared Wairia Hargreaves. Uh, question marks about the fitness of Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend coming back fresh up from a spell. We, we assumed last week, and I've no reason to change my mind that if he's fit and ready to go, he won't be the starting hooker against the Melbourne Storm on Saturday night at the SCG. Uh, the Roosters, I was convinced, were going to make the grand final. There's a just a little opening now, and Melbourne, as good as they are, um, obviously it's a different matter between playing Parramatta and playing the Roosters. So Melbourne won't come to the SCG and be able to play with such confidence and such expansive footy and just put on the points they did against Parramatta, against the Roosters. Forget that idea immediately. But JWH, Jared Warrior Hargreaves missing is... Just got that little question mark flashing in front of my eyes because he's such a big part mm. of what the Roosters... He's been fantastic. He's been enormous over the past couple of seasons. That's it's a huge loss, isn't it? I, I obviously you look at seventeen men against seventeen men, and you're right, was it's the same rectangular feel for both teams. But this week, is it really? It's the SCG where Melbourne have never played. I had a chat with Dale Finucane and a couple of other Melbourne Storm players and said, what about the SCG? Have you played there? Knowing that Melbourne hasn't, but thinking that maybe they had been there in the lower grades. And, and a couple of them had vague memories of playing there. But, but Melbourne as a team, NRL team, never played at the SCG. Whereas the Roosters this year are 9-1 and one at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Here are their scores... It's nine in a row. They lost their first game there this season, now nine in a row. Here are their winning scores, 36, 20, 42, 38, 48, 58, 42, 22, 30. Try telling me the SCG isn't going to be a decisive factor this weekend when you look at the fact Melbourne haven't been there and the Roosters can't help scoring there. Plus, they've had a long time. That Maybe that evens it out. The, the SCG factor, the no Jared, but they've had since last Tuesday to get their head around it. And don't you think that, you know, yes, Robbo will look at those stats. It's, it's compelling that when he isn't in the team, how their winning percentage goes down. But, yeah, I, I just think that, it's definitely in their favour, yet, yet just like the Raiders, that they've got the week off um, and that they'll, yeah, I would say that the Roosters have to be favourites at the SCG for this one. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it could, it could have been a real millstone around their neck having to play out of the SCG, couldn't it? I mean, 
you know, it's, oh, we do, we're not, don't want to play here. It's not our home ground. and oh, It's not a footy ground. It's, the fans are so far away from the, from the field. It could have been a real issue for them that really dragged down and brought them down this season, but they've turned it into a massive positive. It's a, you know, again, it's a bloody coaching masterstroke by Trent Robinson mm. that to have them sleeping overnight earlier in the season just to make it, make it their home. And they, they bought in. They had a big fan... Um, night there earlier before the season began when they got all the, the season ticket holders and members to come on down and sit in the famous member stand and Robbo was out front with a microphone and weaving Robbo's spells and everybody's buying in and it, everybody just moves in the same direction. He, you know, I, he is the focal point of it. There's no question about that. And when he got the job, uh, you know, six, seven years ago now, uh, a, a Roosters director of the board was on a plane flight with me. I think it might have been to Townsville. I was sitting next to him and chatting away and he said, what do you think? And I said, mate, if I was you, I would sign Trent Robinson for a decade. Give him a 10-year deal right now because you have got the right bloke for the job, trust mm. me. And mm. nothing I've seen since has changed my mind about that. He, every, he, he ticks so many boxes and is so far ahead of the curve as far as problems down the track. Can they overcome the loss of Jared Warrior Hargreaves? Well, if anyone can, I think Trent Robinson can find a way to get it done and they'll do it as Melbourne would do it with defence. I was going to ask you how Cooper Cronk might be feeling heading into this game, but I think we all know it's not going to change anything up for him significantly. But at the end of the day, the Storm have the opportunity to knock him out forever. Cameron Smith has a chance to end Cooper Cronk's yeah. career. Uh, I have to run off and do a little uh, piece for Fox Sports News. I'm going to leave it, the rest of the podcast in your oh, fine wow. hands. Okay, so fine. Keep, keep on chatting away, and uh, I'll see you next week when we talk about who's playing in the grand final. And was you better tell everyone you're not only going to do uh, across to Fox Sports News, you are going to be <laughs> swinging your magic wand, yeah, which so are what the news later on. I'm playing in the Australian Hickory Championships this afternoon as we record this on Monday morning. I'm playing at Concord Golf Club in the Australian Hickory Championships, the old club. Minor from 1934. Made of what? Bamboo or something? No, they're made of hickory wood. Hickory wood. And okay. um, he's not going to make the news cross at this rate. I'm, I'm going right now. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, try, I must not talk about golf, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'll tell you how I go next with, week with the 85 year old clubs uh, next week. Yeah. Okay. okay. Beautiful. What? What? And what? <laughs> so what's the score you aiming at? Is it? Are you settle for 80? 80, 80 would uh, eighty would be phenomenal. Okay. I'll, I'll take eighty in a heartbeat. Okay. okay, let's see what you can no do. No pressure. Next week, right. <laughs> the uh, over under is over under for me is eighty five. Okay, there you go. Right. Okay. So Lara, next week first Hold talking point with was otherwise, over or under. Otherwise, you're 85. off to Bali and you're not coming back Bali to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, okay. That's good. See, was over eighty five. You can go to Byron. I think Byron might be better than Bali these days. What about you? With the sharks in Byron, is that the picture that? that they posted. How do you organise that so quickly? Uh, as well, soon as you'd knocked out, well, you just get on Jetstar and you listen to, to the likes of M. Johns, B. Finch, uh, yeah. planning the post-season trip what starts during the pre-season. Does it? You know, day one of training, where we're going for the <laughs> post-season trip. And normally there's uh, a social convener, for want of a better word, who makes it his mission over the next six or eight months to make sure that the end-of-season trip is the best trip ever. <laughs> I sound, I sound like a nana, but I said to the husband, why do boys need to, after spending the entire year together, 
They need to go on another all-boys trip. Well, you sound like And uh, he said, oh, don't you, do you think the Swifts do Don't you reckon the Swifts do it? I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I don't think the ladies are going on an all-girls trip to Bali after the netball season. My other half, my wife, says, why do Bucks nights become Bucks weekends and Bucks weeks now? I said, well, you can't really do it justice in a night. You need a couple and so on and so on. Hey, Lara, yeah. do we need to speak more about this... Uh, uh, Melbourne Storm Roosters game. I think we've gone over it with Was fairly yep. extensively. Certainly, it's the sort of game that could you confidently say who you think is going to win? I couldn't. I do, and then I get totally shown up, don't I? Every I, time I come out here with a really strong opinion mm. on a team, you always you're a bit more cautious, and then you're usually right. But yeah, after the performance, watching it in the lounge on uh, Saturday on the way back from Melbourne, Gaz was sitting next to me, and um, he's good mates with Brailsey obviously and had a, had had a coffee with him in the lead up to the game and he had a good feeling and a good vibe from from Jason on what they were going to do against Parramatta um, and Gaz had the confidence that watching that performance against the Eels he said I reckon they can beat the Roosters if they obviously can come out and play like they are here at Amy Park and yeah so I, I probably would naturally say I think that the Roosters are a, a, a fa- highly um, favoured to win it um, but there'll also be a bit of revenge on the mind of the Storm because they, you know, Absolutely they, they the, the grand final last year, all those things. Um, but, yeah, it's just whether or not um, they can s- shut down the incredible attack that we saw from the Roosters in week one of the finals. I must admit, having been in Melbourne and mixing, been lucky enough to mix with a few people around Melbourne straight after the game, one, uh, I got a sense that they thought... There, there, were, there weren't many celebrations. It wasn't as if you just won. It wasn't a, GWS a week celebrating. Exactly. It was yeah. just like, okay, now we're we're we're, Job done. we're we're into that game that we've all been looking forward to, and and uh, they're here to win. They, they, they don't think we've achieved yet. Obviously, it's not Melbourne's way, and um, they'll come to Melbourne. I do wonder whether uh, Craig Bellamy might do something to the preparation this week to try and prepare for the SCG. Now, Gosh's paddock, their training area, is a big expanse of land. It's not like your traditional rectangle field that some teams predominantly train on. So that might be enough for them. But I wonder whether they try and source a, a, a circular ground tra- train on. You're not allowed to have a captain's run at the... At the SCG, no. Because so. the Dragons do, before they play Anzac Day, if it's their home game at the SCG, they can have a, you know, a, a run. That's not their their training field, yeah. but they can have a run there and they know they need to because it's such a different formation. But... Yeah, I mean, that'll be huge. Maybe down in the AFL territory, they'll get some uh, mm. AFL knowledge and, and look at, yeah, training. So, Gosh's Paddock is is that round. Right next door oh, to yeah. Amy Park, yeah. Mm. So, um, I don't know, Craig Bellamy might say, no, we're, we're fine and, and he will know better than anyone what they need to do if they need to do anything to prepare for this uh, perhaps potentially tricky circular ground, but mm. all will unfold. Have you been enjoying the NRLW, which is uh, – a couple of weeks in now and yep. the St George Illawarra team making it really interesting yesterday. We feared for a moment as if it might be uh, Brisbane and the Warriors locked into uh, the grand final after just the four games, the two rounds. But St George Illawarra make that very interesting and in fact move into pole position to go through to the grand final by leaping ahead of the Warriors by beating them so convincingly yesterday. There's been some fantastic footy played um, across all four teams. Mm. You know, the kicking of... Uh, Shante Porco for the Warriors. You go to the front row in terms of um, Millie Boyle and uh, Amber Hall for the Broncos. has been fantastic. Jess Sergis in the centres and um, 
uh, Tiana Penatani as well. There's been so many performers for them. And, and the Roosters left there without a win. But, um, you know, Corbin McGregor in the fullback role. You've got Ruan Sims up, up front. They're, 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 every team has shown us that the uh, women's game is going ahead in leaps and bounds. Yeah, I think it's wonderful to see that where it is already this year in terms of, every, you know, already it's it's bigger and better. The girls look fitter, stronger. That's the ma- that's the mantra for the women's game. I do think they need, if they really want people to get on board with it, they do need a home and away season. They need to make it longer because right. I watched it yesterday at home with the family and it's only now that people are like, oh, yeah, this is on, let's get let's get into it. And then before you're into it, it's over. You know, it's over so quickly and it could have very well been over yesterday. Uh, so it was great to see in terms of the competition that the Dragons could come home strong against the Warriors um, and it means that these this weekend's two games are alive, and and but the the Broncos have to be commended. They're through to another grand final, and they will be extremely hard to beat. They did say, obviously, after playing the Dragons in the opening game of the NRLW, that they were very tough. So you'll think that the Dragons will be better for it if they can get the win this weekend against the Roosters. They'll be there on grand final day, therefore and against, um, hugely boosted by the win yesterday. But yeah, it's been great to watch the. The stories I love hearing about and that's a part of the joy of working sideline is that you can can find out a bit of a, the, an extent of the sacrifice that the girls have to go to. And you know what, it, it'll still be a story um, for a few years because these girls have to work. Oh, many of them are mums. Um, one of the best stories I've heard so far uh, is Lavinia Gould who plays number nine for the Broncos. So Corey Parker was telling me after week one, of the NRLW, they flew back from uh, Sydney to uh, Brisbane and she didn't get back until 10pm on the Sunday night and at 2am she went straight to work to do her crane driving shift. She did an overnight shift in, in that job and then clocked off and went straight to Broncos head HQ for recovery. Um, and she's been a star, mm. complete star. She's a mum of two. Um, she's... Yeah, been a complete standout for them um, and they lost Brittany Braley and the many thought, oh, that's going to be a big loss for the Broncos. But, yeah, I just think uh, the Broncos players, the NRL team, could probably do with some crane driving at 2am <laughs> yeah, uh, to get some perspective point. on what um, what people have to do and what the girls playing NRLW have to do to make ends meet and to play the game that they love. And as a mum yourself, uh, Lara, you know, Chelsea Baker, the fullback for Brisbane yeah. from North Queensland, leaving her family for the best part of 10 weeks yeah. to prepare and then play this NRLW. It's mm. a big sacrifice. Yeah, for sure. Tough on the rest of the family as well. She misses them so much, but it's school holidays, she said, coming up obviously soon, so they're going to come down and stay with her in Brisbane while she uh, gets through to the grand final and hopefully they can watch her lift another trophy if they can get... I mean, if they... if they, Actually, she didn't know if they are going to get down, unfortunately. But, you know, it's mm. a big expense to fly everyone down for, for the big game. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't have anything but complete admiration for the girls that um, that do what they... That, that, that are finally getting the resources and um, the opportunity to show what they can do. Because it's been... I mean, I don't think... If you haven't had time to watch it, just watch it because that... The girls don't disappoint. They play a really wonderful brand of football. One player who definitely didn't disappoint and hasn't at any stage, Hannah Southwell, the Roosters' edge forward, who just tackles so technically perfectly that Mm. it's great to watch. And she's such a willing worker. I I couldn't believe, I had to keep checking, is that Hannah again? Is she making another tackle? And after she'd made three or four in a row, next set, there she is driving a much bigger forward under the rib cage backwards. Take a bow, Hannah. Your, your footy has been fantastic and it will continue to be so through the next couple of weeks for the rest of the 
competition. She with played W League and Rugby Union. I mean, anyway, I think all of that is awesome, that the girls can are clearly elite because they play a lot of them a number of other codes. And that, there's a good story behind that. You know, Talisha Quinn, who's been calling with us for Fox League, tells a story about once they reach a certain age, they've been playing with the boys through sixes, sevens, tens. I don't know when it exactly is, maybe 12s to 14s. Of course, they can't play with the boys any longer and there's not an established league set up for them to go into. So from playing rugby league, as in the case of Kezi Apps down at the Bega Roosters through um, a boys' competition through to a certain age, they then have to go and explore other sports mm. like soccer or AFL or rugby, which opens up for them a bit earlier. Now NRLW, thankfully, is giving them a reason to come back. And that's why the growth and expansion of the women's game is so important yeah. to make sure we fill in that void between, say, under 12s, 14s through until when they can play again at a more uh, senior level. And they don't have to leave anymore because they do have the pathways from now 6 to NRLW. Mm. They've created those competitions and those pathways. So that's why the talent pool is increasing and we won't see as many. If you want to play league, you play league. You don't have to go play sevens or um, soccer or or cricket or any of those other mm. sports that the girls have, um, have, have tried their hand at. But... Um, but yeah, I think for a while we're going to see this multiple talent, multiple talented girls playing rugby league because they have to go somewhere else as well. Sometimes um, they want to go and play in the Olympics or you know do do other things. Two weekends to go, Lara. The mm. prelim finals this weekend, and then October Sunday six grand final day, which will be a real celebration on Fox League, where we'll go across the grades, the state challenge, the NRLW grand final, the NRL grand final uh, build up as well. Can't wait. Exciting time. We're off to the SCG. We're off to GIO Stadium on Friday night. I can't even begin to do justice to the famous phrase that... Give it a go. ...that uh, Warren Smith shouts. So we'll just go off with the music as Waz prepares <laughs> for his golf and all the other goings-on in the Fox League warehouse here in Antarmen, Sydney, New South Wales, Australasia. <laughs> <laughs> 